0: Welcome to FileMaker Off The Record. You're listening to Thomas and Teresa of Profile Developers, discussing all things FileMaker for developers and power users.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to FileMaker Off The Record. Episode 9. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so tonight, we are going to talk about the get functions
0: yes we're gonna go step by step through 125 functions Ugh. and
1: <laughs> let me get some coffee
0: okay uh, we picked a couple dozen functions that mm-hmm. we we're going to talk about in no particular well they're in alphabetical order we will talk about in that order right but in no particular we didn't pick these because these are the best the most useful or they're ones we, think that there's something, some kind of a gotcha with and that you can right. learn something from. So.
1: Mm-hmm. so as you were saying earlier, there are many, many get functions. There's over, what, 115? 120? So, yeah, in,
0: that, in that neighborhood. Yeah. In that
1: range. So one thing that people may not be aware of is that in 17, if you're in the calculation engine and the you have the uh, window or the drawer on the right showing that lists all the functions, that if you click on one... It'll give you a little definition at the bottom, yes. um, and That's... there is a hyperlink to open up, uh, to directly open up the description of that function in the FileMaker Help. So if you haven't yet gone to the FileMaker Help uh, webpage and just kind of explored all of the functions listed there, it's it's a fun time. You can learn an awful lot, and I usually learn that there are tools there that you may not know how you can use them, but that they can all be useful. We should say that the a lot of the get functions, a lot of them are older. A lot of these have been around since version six. six and before, or six. Six was the version where a lot of stuff happened, right? It was a major update.
0: So in the FileMaker help, they list the version numbers when these functions came into being. Like, for example, get modified field came in, in version 13, so it tells you that. Mm -hmm. that goes all the way back to 6, and it'll say this one started in 6 or earlier. So FileMaker doesn't even know it's a big mystery if you go before 6.
1: Nobody was taking any notes. No. No documentation at all.
0: But, of course, everything from 6 and earlier was whenever there was one table per file, and there was no relationship graph. So one thing that I thought to talk about in the future, I don't know if this would be interesting or not. Okay. Talk about what we used to have to do. Oh right! To make things work Mm -hmm. now. Whenever I'm hanging out with older developers, yes, this this stuff comes up all the time.
1: Right, right. And
0: we sort of have a little bit of fun talking about. Do you remember Mm -hmm. before we had real tabs and
1: right? And you had to fake it all uh, that.
0: So that's something to think about that we can do for future. If anyone is interested to hearing us chat about that, Mm -hmm. uh, send an email to off the record at profiledevelopers.com and let us know or anything, anything you want to hear about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's talk about get functions.
0: Get account privilege set name was a function that came in around version 11 Now we've had privilege sets longer than that. Mm -hmm. And it was always important to know what the privilege set name, well, it was often important to know what the privilege set name was whenever you're scripting. There's another function called get current privilege set name mm-hmm. and these two functions are different they very often return the same information right but sometimes they don't mm-hmm. so get account privilege set name returns the privilege set name for whatever account you're currently logged in as right get current privilege set name gives the privilege set name for whatever file maker is at the, during the runtime of a script for example
1: right so uh, the functions for get active field contents and get active field name. I'll use those uh, when building variables to create a global matrix uh, or for virtual list reporting. Because I there may be certain I want to know where I am uh, and what the value is. Uh, we could also use this to build dynamic JSON uh, in order to feed that as a parameter to another script. To take action on. Okay. That's that's where I think those are useful.
0: Get active modifier keys.
1: Okay. So what are the modifier keys? I don't use this very often.
0: Shift, Option, Alt, Mm -hmm. Command, and Control modifier keys and combinations of them.
1: And only those keys are considered modifier keys.
0: You know, keys that holding that down and hitting another key does Mm -hmm. something different. Yeah. I like them because you can add a secondary function to a button that can be a little more invisible to the end user.
1: Mm -hmm. Because if you combine that, or if you use that in combination with custom menus, you don't have to use the modifier key in order to run a a script that's attached to that custom menu item, right? So so let's say, so if you have command I for uh, create a new invoice, say, right? But command option I is uh, create a new quote. If you have those two items in a custom menu and they're each attached to a different script, that doesn't matter. You don't need to use get modifier key, right? Because you're mapping that script to that key combination. But if you were using one script...
0: And you had a uh, get trigger keystroke trigger mm-hmm. then the keystroke trigger you could grab the modifier keys on the keystroke okay and use that in the script to make a decision get current host timestamp okay so I like that one because mm-hmm. whenever you have users that are in different, different time, time zones, zones. Mm-hmm. You, this, this gives you a much more accurate Get last uh, modification, yeah, things like that, things like know. that. So that's so, that's a nice one to use. That sometimes we don't think about,
1: right? And that's really well. That's even useful uh, if your server is in another time zone, which more uh, you know today, right. uh, That's much more often. Get device. So get device. That's the one that tells you specifically what like so so get system platform. That one's a little more generic. It tells you whether you're on a Mac that you're using Go or you're using WebDirect. So it's very pl- FileMaker platform specific for Git system platform. But Git device tells you what? Git device
0: will give you whether or not you are on Mac, Windows, iPad, separately from iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, and Android.
1: Okay. And that's and that's useful for system navigation.
0: Yeah, whenever you're, you, know, you depending what platform you're on, you want to go to a different layout, custom built for that platform.
1: Right, and so a good practice is to have a separate set of layouts for every different for every device. Yeah, every device, every different you know set of screens that need to look good. <laughs> and as we've been told, always design mobile first. Mobile first. Mobile first, and then throw good, more it's stuff practice. in there. Good yeah. practice. It is.
0: Get documents path listing. The only reason I put this one on there is because uh, that can take a long time.
1: Depending on what you have in there, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, because in a situation, say you're importing on a server, the only place that the server can import from is still the documents folder. So if you aren't quite sure what you're looking for, uh, so, you know, in a lot of solutions, if we have a CSV file or some other file that's generated by some other system gets dropped into the documents folder and then FileMaker server runs a script, looks in the documents folder for a set of file, but it doesn't know exactly what it's looking for. It has, uh, the files have a particular structure prefix, pattern. you know, so they'll have whatever prefix at the beginning. And so the first step of the script is to get the documents path listing, then do a pattern count, like walk through each of those, and then build a pattern count of just the files that it wants, and then loop through that variable to import each file and process them as it needs to, and then it deletes the files. But like you said, if you have get documents path listing always lists all files even in subfolders. So if you have you know, one file in your documents path and then four folders with 4,000 items each, it's going to list every single item in every single folder.
0: That's really important to know. Yes. Get file name and get file path. Okay. So get file name, I used to use a little bit more often because I was dealing with some situ- situations where users had access to the files and might change them. And if you have something like an automated import
1: mm-hmm. from
0: one file to itself, okay, and the file name changes, that changes. Oh, that breaks. Yeah, yeah that breaks. So th- thing things like that, it comes in useful.
1: So to make it more dynamic yeah. in those situations.
0: And then get file path. I mean, there's lots of uses for that. One that I use kind of regular, I'll use get file path. With a pattern count for FMNet, mm-hmm. so that I know if a file is currently being hosted mm-hmm. or being run locally, mm-hmm. and in development or moving files around, that's that's important to know. Oh yes, and it's easy to get mixed up. And it's and again, because it have, all
1: looks the same, no matter where it's where where you open it from, right?
0: And so I'll do something, depending on the situation, Mm -hmm. again, uh, if it's a client that gets in these kind of situations, I'll maybe throw up some big letters on the splash screen or on the the dashboard, whatever it is that they're using, that says, you're using a local copy. This is not being saved to the server. That shouldn't come up a lot. But again, depending on the client, that that Mm -hmm. kind of thing can happen. So I, I like using it for that. Get layout table name.
1: Yeah, and we um, mentioned earlier that that does not actually return the table name that the layout is based on.
0: It's the table occurrence name,
1: right? Which can be anything you want,
0: <laughs> right? So that can give
1: it can be confusing.
0: Uh, I'm going to say unexpected results because it says get layout table name, mm-hmm. get modified fields, okay. which came out in thirteen, which changed quite a bit how people do their audit logs. Right. Because instead of what we used to have to do, you know, you could gather up all the fields and mm-hmm. look for changes in fields and make decisions. Now we can just return, get modified fields, just bring that information back and nothing else. It's,
1: right. It's and that's, and that's great, uh, great so function. get modified fields functions from uh, when a record is opened. No, get,
0: when a record is committed.
1: But what I'm saying is that it knows what the value is. When it's opened, so it's paying attention to that, and then when you commit it is when it fires and can compare. Right. Right. Because it it has... Yeah, because if you don't commit a record, nothing gets saved. Right. Because you can have that turned on that you have to, that it's not automatically committed. Right. So yeah, that, that definitely, like you said, changes the game in terms of making it easier to have your own audit trail and populate it. Now, uh, what does it return? How does it return that data?
0: It returns a return to limited list of all the field names of the fields that were modified since the last commit of that record.
1: But it's just the names of the fields, not the values.
0: Right. It's the names of the field.
1: If you want to have an audit log that says Thomas changed this field from this value to that value. Yeah, you still you have still to have do that to... yourself
0: in the programming. Yeah. Right. Okay. Get network protocol.
1: So what does that give you?
0: So get network protocol will return whatever the network protocol that you're using is. Right. So it'll return TCP IP.
1: Or TCP IP.
0: <laughs> or or uh, token ring. Uh, yeah. Or uh, Apple, Apple Talk, Talk. Right? So that's... No, that's...
1: N- no sneaker net?
0: And Sneak. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Hmm.
0: So those are the four <laughs> potential <laughs> protocols. That yeah. Will return.
1: Who's using Token Ring?
0: I. You know, it's been a while.
1: I'm sure somewhere.
0: Back to that yeah. goes back to what what we used to have to do.
1: Is it, that use RJ45?
0: It did. Okay. Yeah. Get network type. Will return. I think two for a cellular network.
1: Okay. So it's numeric.
0: Three, four, Wi-Fi.
1: Okay, and so that comes, and that's that's new. That came out in what? Should I say thirteen?
0: Thirteen, yeah.
1: That's handy for you know you've got a Go solution, and you want it only to sync when it's on Wi-Fi.
0: Right, that's a that's a perfect use. Yes. Get persistent ID.
1: That's a good one.
0: Which I would say you should know what that one is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Get persistent ID came out in twelve, and what? get persistent id is designed to do is to return it returns a unique unchanging id mm-hmm. for the device that you're currently using so if you are connecting with an ipad mm-hmm. using filemaker go right and you want to track who that user is and what they're doing mm-hmm. through this isn't procession this is right. this is persistent with the device mm-hmm. you're Connecting via Go, and you have that persistent ID. Mm-hmm. So even if you back that iPad up to the cloud to i iCloud, sure, you do a complete backup and replace the iPad, get a new one, mm-hmm. and down you know reset up with all the exact same. You're, you're using the exact same information. Mm-hmm. You will get a new persistent ID because right. the physical device is new. Right. So that's that's useful.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not just for iPads. And those types of devices, your Mac right, will, you know, will provide a persistent ID as well. But I've run into that we use this with a registration, like a device registration solution before. So if a device attached to the system and downloaded the files, then we were grabbing their persistent ID. Uh, but in testing... One of the things that I found out is that if you use, on a laptop, if you use FileMaker Pro to uh, attack, to open a solution, you'll get one persistent ID. And if you use WebDirect on that same machine, you'll get a different persistent ID. So it's kind of a combination of the hardware and the platform that you're using to access it. One thing I wonder is if you have an iPad, so we can test this, uh, (laughs) if you have an iPad that has FileMaker Go version 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 on it, because most of us have an iPad that has multiple versions of FileMaker on it, the persistent ID should change for each version.
0: Persistent ID will be persistent with the device and FileMaker. platform. Yeah. So if you're on FileMaker Go Mm -hmm. 17, connecting to a 17 server, for example, Mm -hmm. that gives one persistent ID. If you're connecting to the 17 server through FileMaker 16, Mm -hmm. it still gives the same persistent ID. But if you connect through WebDirect, that's when you get a different one. Right. That's good to know. Get record open state. Okay. That tells you whether or not A record is currently open or not. So Uh,
1: that's one way if you have a multi-user system and and somebody, Jane in accounting, is looking at a customer record and she's sitting in a field and she went to lunch and Joe uh, over in customer service wants to go update their phone number when he gets to the record instead of hitting the FileMaker error the records locked you would use this you could try to bypass just to not even let him um, get to an editable screen right that can be problematic
0: get trigger keystroke okay so the place I use that is on list views sometimes okay so that the end user can use the up and down arrow keys to step through records Mm -hmm. if that's relevant And have some other actions happen, you know, hit the right arrow or left arrow might do an action hitting
1: Hitting enter could enter the record. Yeah,
0: hitting enter could take you to the detail view of the record Mm -hmm. Hitting delete could literally give you an option to delete the record. Mm -hmm.
1: Right for the keyboard jockeys. Yeah Does that in your opinion make the layout heavier in terms of response? Does it slow anything down? When it's
0: when it's a list view that there's no edit. So if, if you have a trigger on the layout for keystroke mm-hmm. that a script fires every time a key is hit. That, and can, that
1: you'd put that on the layout, not the record.
0: I would put that on the layout. Yeah. Right. So a script is running every time you hit a key.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if, if, if you would do that on a detail view where people are typing in names, maybe writing paragraphs, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'll slow it down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But if it's a layout where generally people don't type much,
1: mm-hmm. and they're just navigating with it it
0: doesn't it doesn't really cause much of an issue. Get user count.
1: Okay, so yeah, that's one that we don't use very often, but that'll that'll return the number of users currently in a system or in a file. In a file, right? right. Um, so where I've used that was in a solution where they had uh, pre sixteen. Uh, They had a 14 server and they, uh, because 14 couldn't, the server itself couldn't save to PDF. Uh, The system had to generate PDFs and create reports and attach them to emails and send them to clients uh, or to customers. And so what we did was we had a robot set up on the server, running fro on the server, that was always on. And so uh, we created a script to run server-side that would look at the user count. And if the user count was ever less than one, then the server would assume that the robot was not on and was not connected and would then commence sending emails to the uh, server admin to let them know that the robot was down.
0: Get UUID, which...
1: Needs no introduction.
0: Yeah, so get UUID is... <laughs> Again, when you go to beginner users,
1: mm-hmm.
0: actually uh, was mentoring someone recently, and that was one that they were sort of unaware of. I don't know if they knew the function existed or not, but they were using serial numbers for their IDs for their for their key fields.
1: Were they using straight serial numbers, or were they, they putting were. a prefix? They the, on they the happened to numbers.
0: be using a straight serial number.
1: Okay, that's dangerous
0: it gets it can be problematic and there's lots of reasons for that get uuid gives you a universally unique identifier for the record so that merging data later is a non issue and mm-hmm. i mean there's lots of reasons why get, get uuid is is nice one of the reasons i mentioned it is because in filemaker 17 we have get uuid number right which returns a universally unique identification that is numeric only.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and the s- benefit of that. The is... benefit of that
0: is your, your index, because mm-hmm. the, if, you're going to use these as key fields, so they're mm-hmm. going to be indexed. A number index is much smaller than an alphanumeric index.
1: And so searching on that and the relationships... That are based on that are going to work faster.
0: They should work faster, okay. and the file should remain a little bit smaller because you know, and that has to do with record counts and stuff like that. Okay. I think in practice, either one is perfectly valid. Mm-hmm. Probably since FileMaker came out with this, they went to the trouble to create it. it
1: must be good for something.
0: That's probably the way most u- most developers will move towards using that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go back through old systems and convert. That, that would,
1: sounds painful. That
0: would just be unnecessarily painful.
1: The get active record number, which is new for 17, says it returns a number representing the record that has focus in the current found set. It seems very useful in a uh, one of the new portals, the new master detail portals uh, with the self-relationship. So in those portals, the record, it's, since it reflects the current found set, you can use get active record number to either conditionally format or hide buttons or the data that shows in that portal. So the record that you're on, the highlight will be different for that as you move through the records in the found set.
0: So using get active record number along with get record number. Right. So if you so say they... if
1: get record number does not equal the active record number, then hide the edit button. For example. Okay.
0: FileMaker 17 function get sensor.
1: That's for beacons, right? No. No. Oh, oh. The sen- um, yeah. Tell me what that returns. Is this on the test? Don't answer that. So because yeah, get... in in previous versions of FileMaker we had no access to the, the only thing we could do get location. And you could that was do the, rotation. So yeah, we could get the, or, there, but that was, were, that was orientation, right?
0: Yeah. So there were a few, which, which is a sensor function. Right. So previously we could get a couple of the sensors on iOS devices. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if we get all of them. We get an awful lot of them. Location value, rotation rate, altitude, acceleration speed you know mm-hmm. so that's what get sensor lets us do
1: magnetic field
0: of course
1: we'll have to do some playing around with these and maybe have another podcast detailing some experimentation
0: yeah so there and there's uh, another 100 <laughs> get right. functions that can be talked about and we're just not going to talk about those today
1: right but yeah it's uh, it's a lot of it's great fun to go to the FileMaker help and just kind of go through the functions. Odds are good that you will find something that you had no idea existed and will do something magical that you may or may not have any use for. But it is it is good to know what's available. Uh, you can't memorize all of them. There's far too many. But uh, it's good to, to visit them, every version, and see what's new.
0: Yeah, and a tip for you for studying or certification. Yes. As you go through the functions in the help, mm-hmm. many of them will have notes. If they have notes, they want you to know what that is. Right. So maybe you want to read through the notes. And the ones that don't have notes, you know, what the function, you can kind of...
1: Right. Well, I know some of the functions are, you know, like round. That's a pretty easy function. Yeah. Some of them Ming, are pretty self-explanatory. That's a good one. ABS. It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> But then there's other ones like... And do you know what get... your trig functions? No. <laughs> they're not going to ask me any trig, are they?
0: I I don't know what they're going to ask you. I got a message from our very good friend, Steve Gleason. From Chicago. From Chicago. Okay. And had sent me <laughs> a message after our last podcast mm-hmm. where we talked about lookups. Okay. And he was defending the lookup, which I'm still not going to use them.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I've never I've never used them, but, but that's because I never knew how.
0: Yeah, his his point <laughs> is that lookups are a point in time, mm-hmm. and that they have a lot of value in in that. Which he's right. Right. They do. Personally, I still want to use Auto Inter calcs c- Yeah. Auto <laughs> enter by Calc. So, Steve, thank you for the comment.
1: Yep. Sorry, I missed you at at the developers conference.
0: But next year we'll we'll both see you there. I'm sure. Yeah. Thanks for the input. If anyone is looking for custom mobile and web apps tailored to your business, you can call us at Profile Developers. Or (laughs) you can call Steve. You can see him online at GleasonSolutions.com. That's G-L-E-A-S-O-N Solutions, floral.com.
1: Thanks again for listening, everybody. Thanks. And we'll see you next time.